All right, so I got a question for you. Oh, okay, what is it? All right, so you didn't listen to the rule of not going to the rooftop, and you have the option of boxing either Jason, Leatherface, or Michael Myers, or without any weapons, they don't have any weapons, or you have to go up against 10 children of the corn, and they have blunt force weapons to fight for your life. Who are you fighting? Give me the kids. Give me the kids all day because uh, ain't no way I'm getting my head uh, blown off by Jason. Michael already shown that he can just kill me instantly. He 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 is the weapon. And then Leatherface, uh, I'm I'm sorry, like he's probably the only one who can potentially take. Considering he's still human, and but uh, but he got that broad strength. He got that uh that super killer strength. And I'm like, oh no, the children of the corn. You said ten of them. Ten. They all have blunt force weapons. Oh, easy. I can kill them all day. Like I can just I can beat one, grab his weapon, and then start going to town. Them kids, it's, them kids aren't, they, they can't take me. <laughs> I think for me, I would um, go against Michael Myers because I saw what happened when the dude boxed Jason and he was actually a boxer and he literally got his head knocked off. Leatherface is a bit out of my weight, weight class, so I don't think I would be too effective against him. And Children of the Corn, I, I'll get to it later, but I have a fear of kids jumping me, so... <laughs> So we'll get to it from there. But just to introduce us, I'm Demetrius. And I'm Demetrius. And Meech and Meech presents the Blurred City Podcast. All right. So we're going to have another fun one today. We're sticking with our Halloween themed um, bump. So today we are doing a deeper dive into slashers, which is both of our favorite subgenres of horror. Uh, so with that, just also as some housekeeping, what we're going to be doing next week is our Black Adam review. And that's going to have be how we wrap up October. But before we get into the fun, we always hit you with the legal spiegel. All right, so the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media. All sources that we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own, with no biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. Boom. Yeah, that thing is just ingrained in your vein. brain at this point, I think. It is muscle memory. So, so how we start out, we're always going to get into what's hot, what's cracking. So, uh, just thinking about when this episode comes out, it will be the second episode of Bleach, the thousand year blood war arc. Oh my goodness, just the the hype. It, It felt like a family reunion when that came back. I was just like, so emotional. Like that show made me feel things that humans haven't in a long time man and when they showed that uh i don't know if that was the ending or the intro but when they showed them flashback uh, clips i'm like i remember watching this song to me i watching this on the situation watching this on country roll back in the day yes i just remembered uh well i would talk to my therapist and he said that i just because i wear a bathrobe and have a broom doesn't mean i can have a bonkai so that made me sad thank you Forget him. You, you got yourself a bomb concert. Uh, so going from there, another hype one, Chainsaw Man. It definitely lived up to the hype. The best way to describe it is just get a bucket of red paint and throw it everywhere. 
Yep. Uh, as a certain symbiote named Carnage once said, let's paint the town red. <laughs> so that's going to be a hype one. The animation for that is really fluid. Mm-hmm. It has the 3D elements to it, but I, I think it works really well. Oh, yeah. Especially considering like the subject matter and like what you're going to see. It's like you going to definitely need some uh, some CGI touch up here and there. Uh, so uh, next one, Black Adam. By the time you're hearing this, it will be coming out in a day or within two days. She-Hulk finale, I thought season, uh, no. the season finale was a brilliant episode. I thought the show overall was just like, okay, but compared to what we're going to talk about in a few, makes it look like uh, <laughs> Citizen Kane. But also, My Hero Academia 6, I know the Mirko fan, the Mirko fan fiction is about to go crazy uh, with the bunny, bunny travel. Oh, no, but, but, uh, but baby girl, she, she, she really out here. I'm, I'm just saying that now uh, we all stand Mirko. Uh, number five hero is the number one hero in our hearts. So, uh, and all you incels, uh, you better quit it. And speaking of, uh, yes, because I know you hate furs, but speaking of number one in our hearts, we have your ex, your, I mean, Spy X family. Um, so that's going, to, that's really getting into it now. We have our good old friend joining the family. So yeah, definitely. Anything else you got? Oh man, I think you touched up on, uh, on most of it. Oh yeah. Season one of Andor ended and, uh, you'll be able to hear our thoughts on that. Uh, when, when we talk about it in a future episode, but, uh, let's just say that, uh, mm, 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 mm. Uh, let's see what else had happened. Uh, there's a certain movie that that came out recently, um, and we we're gonna talk about it in a bit. But uh, I just refer to it as Halloween ends, and that's that's all I'm gonna say right now. Speaking of this movie, so originally we weren't going to have a get it off your chest um, segment. So let me just uh, talk about my experience with Halloween ends. So the first Halloween movie I really enjoyed. I thought it was actually good bring back up the franchise. We've talked about requels numerous times. So it's like, yeah, this is a solid movie. What I would expect from Michael Myers, uh, so forth and so on. Then uh, one of my friends was like, hey, let's go to the movies. What's coming out? I looked at it. I was like, uh, Black Adam comes out next week. So Halloween comes out this week. So let's check out Halloween. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Halloween Kills because I hadn't seen the sequel. So I, I watched Halloween Kills, and I was like, oh, this is kind of shaky, but it's it's okay. It's what I would expect from a, a slasher film. It's not, you know, neat to, you know, Christopher Nolan Inception-style movie. And I I got to the theater yesterday, and one, I, I have to say the reason why I don't like going to opening premieres, there are these teenagers that were shouting about reserved seats and wilding out, which is why I go to the theaters on in the middle of the day most of the time but going from there so the movie starts and when it ended i was like is this supposed to be a comedy because i i've laughed a lot through this movie so i don't know what i watched i i got out of it and i texted you i was like i'm perplexed by this movie so yeah just go ahead because you said you had some thoughts <laughs> all right all right, so firstly, uh, I just want to let you know about what, what I did after watching the movie. So, let's, okay, this is about like nine o'clock at night. Okay, I come back home. And you know what's the first thing I did? 
I watched myself a Friday the 13th movie. Okay. You want to know why? Because of that ending made me go, man, you never see Jason getting caught up like that. I'm just saying. Uh, that's why I hate the code. But, uh, but yeah, so like when it comes to this movie, I thought it was fine throughout like a good portion of it. I think it was fine because the premise of it was was kind of interesting and what I thought was actually happening. <laughs> then the ending comes around and it completely threw what I thought was going to happen just straight out the window. And I'm like, oh, oh, you're doing that now. <sighs> All right, well, well, uh, just just forget me. Uh, you, you guys seem to think you know what you're doing. All right, that's okay, okay. And then, uh, and then it kept going. And then when the actual ending happened, I'm just like, no. <laughs> because I was like, sure, I get that it's a separate continuity, and you try to not make Michael supernatural, but y'all made him supernatural in Halloween Kills. Absolutely. And then you did it again at the beginning of this movie. So, what's the deal with this type of ending, huh? Because, uh... Uh, I'm just saying, uh, you you guys seem to want to flip flop between being supernatural and being uh, human, and I I'm just not with it. Just pick one and stick with it, because uh, at the end of the day, I just want consistency, and that ending was not consistent. Oh oh, let me bring this up. Uh, let me tell you how the trailers basically gave you the entirety of the ending of the movie. Yeah, it literally like there was maybe one or two scenes extra that you got in the movie other than that what you saw in the trailer is exactly what you saw in the movie i'm just like bruh bruh really okay and then oh no and then at the end end and i get why i get i know who who probably said it jay lee kearns probably advocated for this specific ending and i get it because laurie's been screwed over in three of the four continuities in numerous ways, but, and I get that they they want it to be, uh, spoiler alert, they want it to be a happier ending, but, but bruh, I really thought that she was going to get God to life, but nope, 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 she lived, I'm like, dang it, all right, you know what, it's fine, it's fine, she can live, but, uh, the, the way, the way that, that our boy got taken out, so your problem was with the ending of the movie. Pretty much. I had a problem with 90% up to the ending of the movie. So this is for, to get actually talked about it. We're going to do mild spoilers because this movie is trying. Sure, it's through mild spoilers. We're doing full on spoilers. So how it opens up, I'm like, okay, let's lock in. And like, just like, you know, how, you know, what happened with the kid dying. I was like, okay, I'm here for it. This is going to be one of those movies. I was like, R.I.P. And then it talked about it. I was like, oh, him being a presence in Hattonfield, even though he left, is spreading like a disease. Mm -hmm. I like that concept and theory of it. And then, you know, her trying to move on. I kind of get that as well. I and then they have a problem with that because yeah because he's still out there no no and also the fact that like okay so for for all your friends dying yeah you you decide to go uh completely insane for 40 years but uh as soon as your daughter dies then you calm down yes okay but also so here's my room so Corey, how is he out of jail in two years um okay so legally uh they probably could have argued that it was uh they called it aggravated manslaughter 
He got out in two years. If he was black, he would still be in jail. Uh, see, what you're forgetting is uh, this this uh, specific term. It's called a uh, it's called a uh, white privilege, um, and also the fact that he was a good kid, so he probably got released early. Bro, they didn't even explain it well. They literally he was he he killed the kid, got arrested. Next time we saw him, he's out of jail. And it's like two years later. And I thought like, okay, it'd be like, oh, his parents knew somebody that got him out of jail earlier or something like that. It was like, no, you're just free to go. And so like it follows his story. And the dialogue in this movie is terrible. It is some of the most unbelievable dialogue I have ever heard. Like I was literally, <laughs> I was with my friends and we're just laughing because it's so like unrealistic. It doesn't even sound like two people talking like it. So then like all of a sudden he's just like, Oh, you know, I'm evil now. It's just like, what? How? And it's just like, oh my goodness, it was so bad. And like, even the action, I was like, why are we following him? And oh, another thing that I really, really hate in movies in general, it's like when people, like the main uh, protagonist, male, main protagonist, female, they instantly fall in love. He walked into the hospital and she wanted to jump on him and like, like, and go animalistic. I was like, do you two know each other? Is there a flashback? Did you make an anime promise that you'd get married in 10 years? And don't forget all the red flags. She didn't straight up adored. I was like, are you kidding me? And then like, he left her after one day. I was like, wait, and she's crying. She like holds her hands out. And I was like, do you want him to hold your hand? Like, are you going to say that? Like, it felt like there were so many deleted scenes and then he left and she's like crying and broken up it's like oh i fell for him i'm like you met him yesterday <laughs> so it's just like so then he's like supernatural he's not supernatural then like uh all of a sudden like he's just like his disciple but then he wants to like usurp michael myers i'm like what is happening here hey, hey, let's not let's not uh forget about the scene where he he jumps michael yeah he literally like wrestles him. I'm like, how? That's why I said I would box Michael Myers. Like, what are we talking about here? So, so here, here's my thing. Like, here's the reason why I'm like okay with like most of this because here's what like my line of thinking was. Number one, it was the fact that like, okay, you see like how Michael Myers was super weak. Like he he had that crip arm, he had that that, mm-hmm. that twitching arm, you know. Uh, and then when he starts like when he killed that cop, he started getting his groove back. He's like. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, let's let's get it going. So I'm thinking like, okay, well, firstly, when he grabbed uh, we got Corey in the tunnel, it's like, and then he he looked at him directly in the eyes, like, all right, he didn't uh unleash the evil within him, and now he's slowly corrupting Corey. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, when he was killing that cop, he was getting rejuvenated, mm-hmm. so you could tell like he was getting stronger from murking people, kind of like uh, let's say like a, a vampire, if you will, mm-hmm. uh. And I was like, okay, and Corey's getting corrupted. So my line of thinking was like, okay, so he's getting his strength back and he's gonna go and like starts like like slowly murdering people and corrupting Corey to basically be him. So that way like he does the same and you're gonna see like a battle between the two of them and then like you see Michael win and then uh and that's that. Or or like like Michael does die, but you still have Corey who's yeah. still out there. That's and, what I thought would happen. And like Corey was still out there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am him now." And and it's like it's basically like, okay, so you got the the new Lori with Allison, and then the new Michael with Corey. 
No, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen yeah. at all. Can I say something? Allison should have died in this trilogy. Person, let me let me let me tell you this. Uh there was at no point in this movie that you saw evil Corey facing Allison. And here's my thing. I was like, okay, Allison's gonna like face this new evil version of Corey and we're gonna see this new like like either she gonna like bring her back with the power of love, which uh which I hope didn't happen, and thankfully it didn't happen. Uh or like She's just gonna like write him off like a he he lost cause and I'm gonna have to mark him. I thought she was gonna join him because they had that scene in the diner where she was like, let's burn it all down. And he's like, I don't like the match, which was a very creepy scene if I just uh. but then also when you knew that her coworker was sleeping with the boss, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's gonna be the catalyst because we saw her also breaking as well. But then like Corey somehow knew where they were going or whatever, and it was just like, oh my god! Like this movie literally gave me a headache. Like I, I was just like, what happened? Um, so we're gonna move forward because I don't want to give this any more time or life. Uh, this this is why we don't do number rating systems because this would be like a three to me, but it'll it's a D tier. Yeah, but uh, as I say, like it, it's D tier, but I say it's still a lot better than than some of the other trash Halloween movies. Oh, yeah. It's watchable. I would say that it's a watchable movie. It just leaves you perplexed. Yes, like it's good, but like it, at least in my case, like it's good when you think like a certain things about to happen, and then the ending just decides to say screw you. Mm. Yes. So we're gonna move forward. We're gonna get into just kind of our deep dive of the slasher analysis and the characters that we love. Okay, so getting into our slasher analysis, so I watched Halloween Kills, and I remember texting you about how two characters just really let me down, and you responded that there is no locking in in Haddonfield, so. (laughs) So nobody listened to the podcast last week, so we have to give you another warning. The first rule, number one, A, 1B, don't go there, don't touch anything. That's the number one rule. Get out of Haddonfield. Get out of wherever you're going. Don't touch anything. Number two. Well, this is just my spitting. Watch your kids, please. Don't let your kids run off. Just terrible parenting. This is the uh, Rick and Lori Grimes Award. So. Oh, oh, you did not. Have to go Oh, and, and don't forget rule number three. Uh, if you hear a noise, don't investigate. No, no. You hear the term curiosity killed the cat? Well, uh, in horror movies, curiosity will kill you. Yes. Another one that I learned from that uh, Halloween kills is if you're not she, he, they, her, him, or them, don't be a hero. A lot of people volunteered. They wanted to smoke. They got all of it. <laughs> and they couldn't handle it. Um, if you ain't got that dog in you, it's okay. Don't don't try to manufacture it. And also, and just another thing about Halloween Kills, you, you did you see like how unprepared some of them people were? For what? This woman brought an iron to jump Michael. How an iron like you used to, to iron your clothes? She don't use that to jump him. A man brought a two by four. Sign plug in. A man brought a two by four. Bro. You know what? Rule number five, lock in. 
Lock-in should be like number two. <laughs> Just lock-in. You know what you... You know what it is. Follow your gut instinct. Yes. Please. That, that'll keep you alive. Situational awareness. Another one. Just keep running. Again, if, if it's not in you, it's okay. Start screaming, set it best to Megatron. Sometimes it's okay to be a coward because cowards live. Exactly. Exactly. You ain't... Look, look, and this is something that actually got brought up in the Chucky series, is that, like, listen, nobody, nobody cares about, like, the victims. It's, they only care about the number. <laughs> and you don't want to be a number. They always remember the killer and how many people they kill, never who. So if you, so in other words, if you try to be a hero and die, don't go remember you. No one don't know your name. So why, why bother? Yes, um, there is no Alamo moment for you. Another one, don't be a spectator. This goes with don't run. It also goes with lock in. So if you see the killer who is attacking someone and you're in the car with them and they're in the front seat and you're in the back seat, you either need to do some action and stop them or you need to run. You cannot sit there and watch. I know fight or flight, fight or flight kicks in and we get like the deer in the headlight syndrome. You gotta overcome it. That's where the lock-in in comes in. You have to overcome it, no matter how hard it is, because you don't have that much time. And yeah, so that just goes with overcome your panic. It's gonna happen, it's okay, it's natural. You can't be brave unless you're afraid, so yeah. Yeah, and, and there's a million more uh, different things you gotta remember, but uh, once again, uh, as I said, just, just main rule number one, lock in please just 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 for everything uh good in this world and just just lock in you know what you got to do and and let's let's keep on going all right so going from there we are going to get into the eras of flasher films so meet you want to take off with this one oh yes yes so the origins of the slasher films these are pretty pretty much like what you think of like with 10 slasher films of course a killer going out murking people and like one of the first like one of the first ones that you can ever think of is alfred hitchcock's psycho uh you know the old black and white film that that's pretty much like in the 70s like that's pretty much what we consider the origin age see i can see i pretty much broke them down into ages the origin age that's where you get psycho you got black christmas and you got like one of the first pioneers is texas chainsaw massacre yep and and like from there like hey that opened up the gateway to the golden age see the golden age pretty much started with halloween that was the one that pretty much just just thrusted thrusted slashes into the limelight and that's where like you pretty much get every single slasher since then Mm -hmm. so your friday the 13th you got your nightmare elm street that's where pretty much everything like uh bloody halloween yep. all of those movies that came out pretty much every single slash movie that came out in the early 80s so like roughly 80 to 85 that is the golden age of slashes because there was so much creativity well as best creative as you can get with a psycho murderer going, <laughs> going around uh, catching bodies uh with different things but essentially every last one of them will be will be uh like that's pretty much the golden age like right. like that's where you 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 know the greats 
And then comes the Silver Age. That's where, like, that's the later half of the 80s along with, along with like half of the 90s. This is where sequelitis kicked in because that was the era where you just seen sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. Wow. I, I looked at one of them because we had to do research for this. Um, and I, I think it was uh, Friday the 13th. I think the first one was either 19... 1980. 80. Like, up to 87 or 88, there's a uh, Friday the 13th movie every single year. Yup. Oh, yeah, because, uh, hey, because in slash films, they're cheap to make, and they garner huge profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, in that age, that's where you got uh, the Child's Play franchise. That's where that started, and that's also where uh, Candyman uh, thrived and mm-hmm. came in. So he was in that silver age where you still got like some creative slashers that come in there, but uh, and then but like it was primarily dominated by by sequels and then go caps. Yeah, but but because of that, like slasher films started getting like a bad rap, like. Like, they start seeing less profits, less returns because they started getting repetitive. Yep. I mean, come on, like, Friday the 13th had, like, eight films by that point. Lobbed but, returns. Yeah, so, so then we get into the current age, which is the modern age. That's where Scream came in and decided to rejuvenate the entire slasher genre by giving it slightly more modern, slightly more... Uh, what was it? Self-awareness to the slasher films. And this is somewhere like from that time up until like roughly the like mid-2000s, that's where like pretty much all the slashers that you could think of. In fact, horror in general got that self-treatment. Like the Final Destination franchise with pretty much self-awareness. And and I kind of attributed that one to be like a supernatural slash slasher because of the slasher's death itself. That's true. But, <laughs> yeah. but that that, that was an asterisk. That, that was like Final Destination messed me up because the way those people died was just like that. Oh no! Even to this day, I never drive behind a truck with logs. No. To this day, be careful on bridges. Oh no! I'm like no. That part, like I, I don't get. I don't get like terrified of even planes. I don't get terrified. Of. But that Final Destination two logs, yeah, just that. That was the one that got me. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks it's the planes that get you. No, everybody thinks it's the roller coaster or the or NASCAR, which I mean, I'm black, so I don't go to NASCAR. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> or the the bridge, as you mentioned. But nah, nah, it's it's the one that I do every day, and that's driving. That's all. Yeah. So nah, but but yeah, getting back into it, like pretty much like late '90s, so '96. That's when Scream came out. That's when everything was starting modernized. And then like you get to the 2000s, and 2000s that was pretty much the age from the 2000s up to now. That's the age of the remakes and the requels. That's where you got like all the Platinum Doom, Michael Bay remakes. You know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which I actually love. Uh, that's where the Halloween remake came in, which, uh, mixed about mm-hmm. the Friday the 13th one, I thought was fine. It was fine. And then the, the Nightmare on Poop Street, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about that one. got Child's Play, which, which is popular enough that it even got a, uh, it got not only a remake, but then also a TV show. Yeah, and that that was all due to like legal shenanigans for why that happened. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, because uh, 
Basically, there was a whole thing where Don Mancini, the creator of Chucky, he was at war with the studios who basically owned the rights to the Child's Play franchise. The Child Play franchise, they wanted to do a remake, but Don Mancini, he wants to continue the original story. So they went to war. And that's why the Chucky, like the Chucky TV series, it's not called Child's Play anymore. Or me, or none of the movies past Bride of Chucky is called Child's Play. Oh, that's right. Because there's a Bride of Chucky, and there's a Cult of Chucky, which is terrible. Um, and cult, curse, and seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like those are called the Blank of Chucky, and then the Chucky TV series. But then the uh, the new remake was, remake Child's, was Play. Child's Play. I don't know. That's interesting. Oh yeah, like it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. But uh, that that Child's Play a uh, remake. Um, Iron was not good at all. Oh, speaking of that, now that I think about AI, we missed one for what's hot. So a trailer that's going crazy. Oh Lord, <laughs> Megan. Oh Lord, I wanted to. Oh, I thought I was gonna I'm gonna slide down. Oh, ooh, that I might actually see that. I I will say, look, look. Here's the thing. All I have to say is like I said this on uh on one of my friends' Twitter. I said if if I ever catch like a doll or girl TikTok K-pop dancing on me as I'm dying. I would legit get so upset. I either get a second wind, or I'm, or I literally just come back from the dead because that type of rage would be enough. Yo, she was starting on her with the dances. I was like, oh, okay. I hope that's good. Even though you said it's in the January, February, uh, that's the, the dead, dead zone. The dead zone. So, but I think it's there's hope for it because. I remember this isn't a, really a horror movie, but the new Invisible Man movie was a February movie when it came out, yeah. and I thought that was pretty good. And also, Scream Five actually came out in January too. Huh? So more and more good stuff is coming out. Well, in yeah, ninety-five percent is trash, and the five percent is good. <laughs> I like more and more good, but but that doesn't that doesn't save it, yeah. save it from being called the dead zone, right? So, uh, with the errors, uh, we're all caught up. We're gonna brief. We're gonna briefly shoot through some tropes, and then we're gonna get into our separate slashes. Yeah. So, kicking it off, what you mentioned with uh, Michael Myers, the killer goes supernatural. Yep, that's basically where sometimes in horror movies, where a killer may start off like as a normal human. But over time, especially as they get more and more sequels, they gotta bring reasons to bring that killer back. Mm-hmm. So true it. Yeah. So hey, we're gonna have like them getting cursed, or uh, or they get brought back from the dead by like the voodoo priest or mm-hmm. anything like that. So yeah, that's where you get the killer becomes a supernatural entity if they weren't one from the start. Yeah. So for our next one, tripping over nothing, which we covered last week, sex equals death which is just kind of explanatory for any horror movie if you've seen it. Next one, following noise, another warning that we just gave you. The please die character, go for that one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is the, this is typically the character that uh, just from the outset, like, they, you hate them. Like, you, you just want them to go so badly. And that's why we have a, an award based on this specific trope. Because yes. some people, they just deserve it. Like, like when you want to see them die, and then they get their comeuppance. It's like a breath of fresh air. You're just like, yes. Mm-hmm. Get some euphoria from that. All right. So then we have the final girl. 
obviously that's uh pretty much the final person who gets to live throughout the movies you know that's the last person standing uh most 99 percent of the time it's the the virgin female uh though nowadays it's it's starting to like widen up you know from them not having to be a virgin to actually having a guy be the final one mm-hmm. or even having it being a couple yes. that that gets gets away in the end but and, yeah over the course of the movie they do find that dog in him so they lock in they have the time to yeah uh, next one which is really sad one dune comic relief this happens in a lot of movies because i just saw a movie that i'm not gonna spoil it because it's actually a really good movie but like a character that was really really funny that you connect with and then they ended up dying um so why do you think they do this is it because like that's the character that we build an emotional connection with so when we lose them like it hurts the most or something like that yes it's a combination of that and and yes it also proves like hey life happens like you you ain't gonna it's like not everybody's gonna be able to make it and sometimes like the comic relief character like even though they are the comedic one the one that you like the most sometimes they even make the stupidest decisions as well which is which brings up like the friday the 13th remake where where you had the two stoner characters and they were hilarious but both of them decide on their own to go out into the woods Mm -hmm. where jason was and you're just like please no not them. Anyone but them. Yeah, so going from there, we have the dramatic of masking, which any horror movie with anyone with a mask, there is that moment where they attempt to take off the mask, and then it'll be like, the music plays, and you're like, oh, oh my god, this character is hideous, or kind of like that. So think of also Predator, even though it's not a slasher, but going from there, little to no authority figure. This was an interesting one. Yeah, so if you notice throughout like most of like slasher films, especially the one in the 80s, it's primarily teenagers, and you almost never see parents or adults or cops. And if you do see them, they they die oh, immediately. They get wiped out. Like they they RIP. And that's because of the fact like the demographic were teen teenagers. These were the primary demographic of horror movies. And to see like an adult come in and fix the problem, that's that poses the problem. That's true. And in that way, like it shows like, hey, and what better way than to stoke fear and to inject fear into the lives of the people is like you are on your own. That's true. And nobody's coming to save you. Or yeah, and in a lot of cases the authority figures don't believe you. Um for one of them, we're we'll touch on it later, but the the nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> One of the greatest endings to a movie. So going from there, Black Guy Dies First, which we've covered a lot. Um, next one, Indestructible Killer. This is literally almost every slasher movie um, that has a mask. Next one, Killer more popular than the characters. So true. Oh, yeah. So basically this one, it's literally that. It's just like over time, like serial killers have somewhat become like popular, like popular icons, if you will. Like Similar to like a James Bond or a uh, or like your Superman, you get basically that for the horror movie villains. Uh, like sometimes like the killers like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers, they're so iconic or Darth Vader, they're so iconic that you start to root for them 
more than the character sometimes or even better is that sometimes you don't even go to the movie to see how the characters will get out instead you go and this is probably applying to me specifically actually it does apply to me specifically gonna see how these characters are gonna get murked by our favorite killer yeah and then for the final one vehicles cell phones technology are useless they either don't start up don't work can't make a call or no signal or sabotage that is true. So going from there, we're going to go into our breakdown of the individual killer slashers and their categories. All right. So we are going to get into the GOAT, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th. Let us have it. Oh, let's get into my boy, Jason. All right. So, so firstly, we're going to talk about these categories that we got, which this category is called Silent But Deadly. Uh-huh. Reason why? Uh, hey, these killers, they never talk. We're going to talk about Jason today. Jason Voorhees, our, our favorite boy, a bullied kid down at Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, these kids are so terrible that they pushed him into the lake knowing he couldn't swim and then he drowns. His mother decides to go crazy and then starts murking people. And which... Don't forget that the counselors could have saved him, but one of the tropes. Oh, uh, yes, but of course, that sequel's death and a little to no authority figure where they they were off uh, having making some passionate love. And but that's how mom goes crazy, kills everybody. And and of course, the final girl, Alice, chops her head off. But unbeknownst to her, Jason was there looking on. And that's when his origin as a serial killer comes out. Bro, the it's crazy because I since like obviously we were both born in the 90s so i saw the other friday the 13th movies before i saw the first one and so like i was like okay jason has the mask uh he was the actual killer in a lot of them for this one when i watched it like throughout the movie they never show who's actually doing the killing and then towards the end they show us the mom and i was like yo this is really brilliant like i like i love how they did that yeah, uh, it, it kind of was so for me because I actually, well, thanks to my sister, we watched them in order. So, honestly, like, I knew Pamela was the killer first and then, and then was with the rest of the audience when we found out Jason's number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two in terms of the killer, number one in our hearts, I'm just saying. But, uh, but when it comes to Jason, right, the thing that, like, that's about him is that, like, he was big, he was burly, and he could take a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. That second movie had him in the town that dreaded sundown potato sack, uh, and he, he start, starts murking people. And the thing about him is that, like, he murks people in incredible and interesting ways. Uh, but of course, it, it it does not last forever as our boy gets murked, mm-hmm. got put on a t-shirt, and then he comes. But as I mentioned in this killer becomes supernatural, he comes back as a zombie, and and that's when his creativity decides to go through the roof. Yeah, my boy. The the one in it's not my favorite, but it's one of the most memorable. But the one in Freddy versus Jason, where I think it's his first kill, where the dude's on the bed, yeah, stabs him, and then he takes like one half of the bed and the other half, and he folds it up. Yep. I was like, oh no! <laughs> I was like, yep. That's how I know. It's like, yeah, Jason is in pure form. Yes, uh, I think I really like Jason because he well, well, one, Jason is the one that has given me the most nightmares when I was younger um too but he also has a clear defined reason for why he kills people if you go to camp crystal lake he's going to take you out it does not matter who you are 
And if you like, even if you leave Camp Crystal Lake, kind of like Jason goes to Manhattan, he's like direct focus path. If you don't get in his way, he won't necessarily take you out, but you literally need to stay out of his way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's all because of the fact like, hey, you all killed my moms. So yeah. I'm going to kill all of you. Mm-hmm. And you and you step onto my turf, you getting taken out. You're getting put on t-shirts. And of course, like his appearance is always amazing, especially when he gets his hockey mask. It's, pro- it's perhaps like one of the most iconic uh, things in like in horror media. Absolutely. It's like it's actually an entire trope called uh, hockey mask and chainsaw, which mm-hmm. Ironically, Jason has never used a chainsaw, but uh, hey, the iconography is there. Oh, do you recall which um, movie he got his hockey mask? The third one. Mm -hmm. Yes, so he started with that potato sack, he he transfers to the hockey mask in the third one, and and it stuck. Yes. Thank you to the uh, production artist on the third one. But yeah, so Jason's just out here. He murks people on on the path, and yeah, he, he only got rebooted one time, and that's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, based on the success of the Halloween trilogies, I think that they're going to try to most likely reboot Jason again, which I wouldn't mind because I really liked that one. I also like Jason X, um, mm-hmm. which Jason X was just kind of funny to me, but it was also really cool just to see that. And he had the whole new, like, updated look and stuff like that. So, yep. So yeah, and best thing is that he was played by renowned actor Kane Hodder for four of the films because every movie it was a different person, but but Kane Hodder played him for four of the films plus the video game. Oh, and oh boy, I still play that video game to this day. I'm not even gonna catch, but uh, but yeah, it's like he is the definitive Jason Voorhees. So yeah, that's pretty much all I gotta say about him. All right, next to Michael Myers, or as we saw in the movies, The Shape. All right, so The Shape. Uh, Michael Audrey Myers, you you know the story. Uh, one day he, well, actually, you probably don't know the story because of the fact that he's been rebooted like four different times. <laughs> yeah. um, but but uh, that's the thing about his movies. Like, he got rebooted so much. Uh, of course, he, at six years old, merged his uh, older sister. Staying asylum for 15 years, breaks out, and returns to Haddonfield to murk again. Yep. But the motivations as to why he kills are, is different depending on which continuity you live in. So he has four different continuities because the Halloween franchise is that convoluted. Mm-hmm. So you have the first continuity, which is like one, two, four, five, six, which is the Colts series mm-hmm. then you get uh the h2o which is one two h2o and resurrection uh and then after that you got the rob zombie flick remakes which is his halloween and then halloween 2 and then finally the one that just wrapped up is the h4o trilogy i mean yeah the h4o series which is the first halloween uh halloween 2018 halloween kills and halloween ends so but the thing about him is that like he he pioneered the silent but deadly he uh of course has that stark white uh captain kirk mask yep. which uh which i don't know how it keeps surviving today <laughs> but hey yep. uh but hey and he just you know babies if you're a babysitter in his town he gonna kill you best of luck <laughs> r.i.p so going from there, we're going to kind of shoot through these, but we have Jeepers Creepers, which is technically not a slasher because um, he's kind of a supernatural being, 
But Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2, which are the only Jeepers Creepers movies that exist. Yep. Um, the first one, absolutely incredible. Um, just like the terror of it. I really like the old school like horror movies because with the like cheaper production that they have to use, they make use of just like the fear of it. So you don't see it a lot. So it kind of builds up. Um, it's not really a trope, but it's kind of like a technique where it's like, if you don't see the killer or you don't know what's out there, then it like makes it terrifying uh, mm-hmm. to your instincts. And Jeepers Creepers 2, where the bus scene, oh my gosh, that was so incredible. You know what? what's funny? I actually love Jeepers Creepers 2 more than the first same, one. Same, same. I like Jeepers Creepers 2 more than the first. And, and only because of the fact that he just goes rogue throughout the entire movie and being stuck on a bus because I've been there. Boy. I've been, and there was one time where like, I'm driving back home from college and then I see a bus like like broke down on the road and then I just spin. <laughs> went, no, not to. What was it? Abandoned by cornfields and stuff? Yeah, it oh. was like oh, it was like. Well, it wasn't corporate. It was just open planes on like one side of me, and it was at night too. So I was like, "Oh, uh, uh-uh, I'm going." That's how you know it got me because even to this day, if I see broken down bus, middle of nowhere, darkness, and open planes to one side of me. I'm out. You were locked in. Yeah. And you didn't go there. Yep. Okay. Kept going. So for the next three, you want to pick something? <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got uh, Victor Crowley, who's from the Hatchet films and directed by Adam Green. He was also played by Kane Hodder. Uh, he's like, he pretty much is the spiritual successor to Jason. Uh, essentially, like, pretty much similar origin. You know, bullied kid dies, come back, vengeful spirit, step in his turf, you get murked. Ugly uh, face. Yep, ugly as mug. But, uh, but yeah, he's pretty much like, yeah, silent killer. And the only screams that you hear is the screams of the victims. And him, whenever he's just wanted, like, just terrify you. But yeah, he's pretty much like your Jason Copcat. Uh, next one is the Maniac Cop, Matt Cordell, uh, from the titular Maniac Cop series. Another uh, killer ghost supernatural because he was completely human in the first movie <laughs> and then not so much in the second and third. Uh, thing about him is that he's actually, he looked fairly normal and then he became uh, utterly, utterly ugly in <laughs> the subsequent ones as he became a zombie. So I'm like, hmm. It's crazy. And also, Bruce Campbell was in the first movie. Ooh. So, yeah. And then next one is uh, the is the Mind Killer from My Bloody Valentine. Uh, similar, or, well, an origin in the sense of like, hey, these, there was a tragedy that happened on Halloween, I mean, on Valentine's Day, and you guys decided to celebrate on that day, so I gotta come back and murk you. Mm-hmm. Was he supernatural? Absolutely not. <laughs> but uh, but you know he is what it is. And then, but but the last one on this list, Persona Badelli, is the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Iconic movie. Yep, very iconic. Part of the modern age, and he and you know, hey, you you decide to murk him or his son, depending on which topic, which version you're looking at. Uh, you you decide to and cover it up. Hey, you gotta come back to to mark you. Yeah, I remember like last year when I was writing my um my thriller mystery book that I I, mean, I needed to watch this movie to like get some inspiration. And wow, this movie is really good. Um, I know what you did last time in the first one. I mean, the characters again are very unlikable, but definitely he was just like, yeah, oh, so that's what's gonna happen. 
Yeah, bad. Yep. And unfortunately, another case of Killer Ghost Supernatural because of the third movie. Yeah. Uh, but we do not acknowledge the third movie. That one was direct to, to video. For the next category, we have talk is cheap, but their methods are deadly. So this one goes with killers that are very talkative, like to kind of have fun with their victims and or just kind of like they don't use a lot of words, but it's very effective. But also their methods are wild. So one of the biggest talkers, probably oh, number two most popular slasher, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh, yeah. Is yeah. it safe to say that? Number two? I'll, I'll say I, he's two or three. He's one of them. Mm-hmm. Depending on like where you put a, put a start in somebody. But yeah, Freddy Krueger, he he is he's very interesting as a killer. Um, considering the fact that he was a killer in life, yeah, uh, and potential child uh, abuser. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's like he's he's one of the more talkative characters because of the fact, that, like, hey, he likes toying with his victims. He's one of those like, and he's also, in my opinion, one of the one of the most terrifying because of the fact, like, hey. He gets you in your dreams. It's like, and the thing is, we all gotta go to sleep. You gotta go to sleep. Like, even like in the movies, you'll see like, oh, I'm gonna stay up for uh, 72 hours and I'm gonna take all these pills. Like your body will literally shut down if you try to stay awake too long. Yep, yep. And and it's actually crazy considering the story he's based on, like how Wes Craven, like he saw in the news about this guy who stayed up for like a super long period of time and then when he finally went to sleep he had like a nightmare so terrible that like when everybody came to check up on him he was dead so that was one of the inspirations of freddy and and yes he's one of the most iconic he's also a face killer because he doesn't wear a mask and well i guess technically his mask is his burnt face but i would say he has one of the most other than jason and michael myers he has the most iconic costume yeah yeah that you know the razor gloves the I, hat the hat sweater sweater you like you you got yourself a freddy right there it's crazy that we get to root for a child uh a child mm, a, a child edp we root. <laughs> look 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 in his movies in his movies most of the characters, ninety nine percent of them are like most. Of I root for him to kill them. So that's right. that's that's about it. If he if he goes up against anybody else, he is immediate. He is persona non grata. Yo, like Freddy is just, like terrifying because like he since he's in a dream, he controls the dream and like he just uses like the terror of it. And what I really love about these movies is that some like the transition between when you're awake. And when you're sleeping is so subtle, then like sometimes they don't show up, but like it'll be like, oh, I remember the one they were chilling in the bathtub and oh. trying to stay awake. And then all of a sudden, Freddie was right there. And just like that is so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing is like, you, like his, his kills are super creative because of the fact like he's based on dreams. So he has to be creative in, in the world. So it's like, and as you mentioned, like the subtlety of like when you're awake and when you're asleep, you're and like you don't know if a character's awake yes. until things pop off. And, and in my opinion, I think like he probably has some of the most inconsistent like uh like ways of dying. Yeah. Or ways of getting defeated, because every single movie the method was different. 
but but besides that, like uh, he's again like one of he's one of the great great ones. I really love the first one how they did it because it's like, hey, we have to take him out of the, the dream, dream world. And again, like with the iconic ending where it's like, oh, we defeated him. And then all of a sudden the car transforms. You see like the sweater uh, top on the car and the mom just gets gets ragdolled into the window. <laughs> Quite literally. And then Freddy versus Jason. Ooh, I I love that. I wish I could make another one. I think I read a comic actually. And it was Freddy versus Jason versus uh, Ash of the Dead. Yeah, so you know, yes, I really hope they make a movie about it because that was incredible. Yes, there. I, I, I love that movie so much. Like, I, like, after it came out, like, I got my, my first phone, my ringtone was, like, the, the theme of that movie, which starts off as the Freddy thing and then goes into the... Jason. Into the Jason, uh, into the Jason theme. And it was, like... Yeah, no, nah, I need that. I need that for my thing, but uh, for my ringtone. So, and love that movie to death, like so much so, like even to this day, like I will rewatch it just because, like, I don't even care about the characters. Mm-hmm. That's the, I don't, I didn't care about any of the characters in that it movie. Was iconic, all, yeah. all I care was about Freddy, Jason, and them fighting. It was literally like 20 plus years in the making. Oh, I think there was one Friday the 13th movie that teased it. Yes, it was Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, which was part nine. Mm -hmm. That teased it. So, yeah, definitely. I hope they make another one if they can get Freddy right. Uh, So, for the next one, Ghostface, Scream. Ah, yes, so Ghostface. This one's actually perhaps one of them, one of the big ones that we get to talk about because the fact that it's not particularly one person, but instead it's a title or mantle that like multiple people have used. So like in the case of the Scream series, like every single theory, uh, every single movie in that franchise had a different Ghostface, had a different person underneath that mask. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is the fact that there was always at least two. Except for the third one, but the third one, third one's weird because of executive meddling. Because uh, <laughs> the fact, like, that one intended to have two, and you saw that it had two, mm-hmm. and then they just made it one, mm. which made no sense whatsoever, but but I'm not going to get into the third one. <laughs> but the thing about Ghostface is that, like, like, in all the movies, they all have pretty much the same methods, which was... Hey, stalk you, like, it would stalk you, he would call you over the phone, or he or she, like, they'd call you on the phone, and just pretty much terrify you, and then, and then, like, hey, once, once he suspiciously taunted you, made you terrified, so where you start making mistakes, boom, there you go, and Ghostface murks you. So, so, like, that's great. And the motivations for each Ghostface is pretty much different for each movie because it's a different person. And, um, again, most consistent thing is, like, murder methods. Uh, like, what they murdered you with, which is that sig- signature knife and then that signature appearance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's definitely kind of... It's funny. Uh, I think I saw a scary movie first before I saw a uh, screen. <laughs> Thanks. So, so every time I see Scream, I'm like, is this supposed to be a comedy? What? Uh, but just yeah. So that's definitely kind of, and I really love the parody uh, aspect of the first one, where it's like the dude is like literally calling out the tropes as he sees them throughout until he discovers it. Yeah. Um. So just going to our next uh set of slashes. Yeah. So first one is pretty much the. The evil Santa in Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's pretty much a uh, where he's 
where pretty much a mentally unstable person dresses up as Santa, starts killing people around Christmas time. Boom, there, there you go. And that, that's pretty much that. Next one is actually one of my favorite. Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. That one's like a, a parody type of movie. Well, it starts off as a parody and then it becomes real <laughs> because of the fact like it's basically about this guy who's inspiring to be like Jason, Michael, Freddy, all of them goes through all the tropes of the movies. You see him like training, see him doing like his running to where like, all right, he says like, I need to have my cardio at maximum potential because like you see all these serial killers walking while their people are running and he still catches them. It's like, how in the world are they supposed to do that? Like he is super likable, but then then when he's when it's time for him to start killing and then he puts on his mask, bruh, he, he is out here terrifying. Uh, but yeah, love that movie. If you haven't seen it, you better go see it. And then finally, we have Norman Nordstrom from Don't Breathe. Whew. Super, uh, that's an intense movie. Super intense. Like, it was like, Alan had, had me to where, like, I hold, I held my breath throughout, like, most of that movie. That makes sense. It's like, as soon as I feel more about like, <laughs> and just, he, of course, he had a Cujo dog with him, so. Yeah, <laughs> why didn't we put Cujo on the first place? Cujo caught more, caught more bodies than expected. Alright, so going from the, going to the next one, we have the Don't Say My Name, which is a rule, and then Killers with Gimmicks. So the first one being Candyman. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Danielle Robitaille, Tony Todd himself. Mm. It's the There's only two movies in that franchise, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but at, like he's stuck. Firstly, he's the only killer on this list that's a brother. And then secondly, his whole thing is that he's basically Bloody Mary because his origins that like he's a slave, fell in love with a white woman, which uh. As you all know, that they immediately get you murked, um, get you put on a t-shirt, and how he got put on a t-shirt is actually kind of horrifying, you know? Slathered honey on him, where bees stung him to death, chopped his hand off, replaced it with a hook. And the whole thing about the Candyman was the fact that he's Bloody Mary, say his name five times in a mirror, then uh, R.I.P. Yeah, goodbye. And and also the the fact that, like, it's basically urban legends. So, so like that was the whole story. I love the two movies in there, the 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 original and then the the requel uh-huh. uh, by Jordan Peele. So you yeah. already knew, knew you were on one. Uh, love those movies to death because Candyman, like he, it's like he's so that baritone voice, like it just has you in a trance. Yes, and I ain't gonna lie, I was like. Mm. Let me be Candyman, please. <laughs> I need that type of voice. Cool. So, going to our next one. Alright, next one is actually the Urban Legends Killers in the Urban Legends uh, duology. Uh, similar to Candyman, in, except in the sense of this is an actual person or people mm-hmm. who kill people based on like certain urban legends. So, you know, like Bloody Mary saying name three times in the mirror and person gets killed by an actual person. Or that one where it's like roommate comes into the apartment, don't turn the lights on, go to bed, wake up, turn the lights on and roommate's dead. Mm-hmm. Like like put on t-shirt and blood, so like don't turn lights on. 
or like the don't check under the bed type of urban legends, you know, uh-huh. or the killer with the hook. All those like like the reason I put that on there on the the pillars with gimmicks because the whole gimmick is urban legend based. Right. And like think of all of the like killers or urban legends or horror stories that you've like perhaps heard about or like read about and the killers pretty much killed you in that type of way. Even the kid even like the steal your kidney and the bathtub of ice type of deal. And yeah, but then there's the last one. Yes. Oh boy, and this one comes with asterisk. It's Pinhead. Or Hellraiser. From the the Hellraiser series. I said he's considered, technically, he becomes a serial killer later on, even though he's still supernatural. Uh, as you tell, he's, he, well, the original Pinhead, the one played by Doug Bradley, because uh, I'm not a Pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the remake, because, like, that one just released, and I actually find that one to be a fairly good movie. Uh, but uh, Doug Bradley, he was Elliot Spencer. He was a uh, he was part of the Great War. He he found the the puzzle box because that was the gimmick. Is like you open up the puzzle box, and then uh, R.I.P. Yeah, he made a contract. Yep, he made a contract with the uh, Cinnabites in Hell and uh, R.I.P. You you done. Yep. And the thing about him is that like, of course, he killed you with his chains to make sure you experience both pain and pleasure. Uh, it's kind of kind of disturbing, but uh, and the thing is that like he's not even the main villain villain of the first movie, which is yeah. kind of crazy. But he but he takes the spotlight in all of the subsequent ones, even in this newest one when the which is more based on the book that it was based on. So the pinhead in that one's more female than male, even still more iconic. I'm like, mm, okay, definitely gonna check that out. Okay, so now we have dangerous things come in small packages. So obviously we have Chucky, who is probably a top five villain of all time. Um, Easy. Yeah, so just like getting his own TV show, that, that tells you all you kind of need to know. Iconic, uh, he has some of the most creative kills, just the, the doll aspect of it, where it's like, it's not, it's like, one, he attacks kids, mostly. Uh, so in order to take over their body, uh, since he was previously a human in his past life. And just with that, the, oh, they don't believe you, they don't believe you. And then it's like, it makes it look like you're crazy. So like the first two to three uh, Child's Play movies are absolutely incredible. I love Child's Play too, um, on just a different level. It's just because like the relationship between uh, the young bro and the sister. Yeah, and the yeah, so then even going from there, just really iconic. So Children of the Corn, like I said, uh, touched on. I have a fear because of this movie of children attacking me. Uh, so real real talk, uh, when I was a camp counselor, I want to say I was like in my early 20s uh, or as like late teens. So I, I was like helping these uh I want to say they for sake they were like five and six year olds and i was like really cool with them or whatever so then i remember like one time i was just like hiding from them and like i was hiding behind this like cardboard box and they literally came into the classroom and they're like where is uh mr demetrius that like they were coming for the smoke and literally once they found me it was on they jumped me <laughs> See, you're a better man than me because uh the black or 
Black Air Forces would have been laced up. Those kids wouldn't understand a chance. See, I couldn't. Yeah, it was, it was all played on. Just joking about that. But Children in the Corn, he who walks behind the rose. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's absolutely terrifying. Makes me afraid of uh, cornfields, considering the fact that I lived in Iowa for a bit. So that was a bit terrifying. Next one, we have Leprechaun, which has some of the worst movies I've seen. But also really incredible, just a killer leprechaun attacking people. Is Those were definitely iconic and hilarious. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp as well. Oh, uh, yeah, Sleepaway Camp's a great... Uh... Mini slasher movie. Uh, the main twist of that is that the killer was actually a little girl the whole time, and the fact that this little girl was actually a guy the whole time, which in that first sequel camp is pretty great considering yep. what it was, and and for its twist, and then the subsequent ones went down a cliff. All right, I think mostly did. So going from there, we do the maybe we shouldn't have kept it all in the family. Oh boy! All right, so the main one is uh, Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Uh, he he has perhaps an even more convoluted timeline than Michael Myers, considering that like almost every single sequel was pretty much a reboot. Uh, <laughs> that is true, which is kind of crazy. But as you know, like cannibalistic family uh, and a uh, very incestuous one. But uh. And Leatherface, he, he, he really him. He, he was pretty much one of the first, you know, cutting people's faces off, putting it on his own. Yeah. I mean, and using that chainsaw. I don't, I don't know what else to say about them. It's like, so much so, he's a killer on Dead, Dead by Daylight alongside Michael and Freddy. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the goats, uh, easily in terms of just movies, iconic. That sound of a chainsaw just like ramping up. I remember, I think it was Resident Evil 7, and you have to have like a chainsaw yeah. fight. Oh my goodness, that just like made me think of it. Just like, oh yeah, chainsaw. That, that entire game was based on Take the Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, if you think about it, now that you mention it, definitely. So yeah, even off from there, that maybe we shouldn't have kept it in the family aspect of it. Mm. Okay, so the reason why I would say maybe shouldn't have kept it in uh, families that like it's very essential. It's like it's he pretty much a uh, you know like mother. Pretty much a lot of these are like mothers who love their kids, which I'm just like. Huh? Yes. And then finally, there's and then the next one on this list is the Hills Have Eyes. Oh boy. A bunch of murder cannibals again in the hills. Who got uh? Who was very incestuous? Like they get mutated, but uh, they you know they are. <laughs> oh, I hate talking about this one. Like they they're super incestuous. Like I don't know how to, else to put it. Like it's terrible. It's icky. It's gross, man. Yeah. Ne- next one after that, the Wrong Turn series, which, bruh, <laughs> bruh, it's it's basically another version of Hills Have Eyes. But it's it's literally same movie um nope let's just keep moving don't get lost people yeah let's just keep moving because the wrong turn franchise is also another one that that jumped off a cliff immediately took a wrong turn off the cliff <laughs> took a wrong turn went straight off the cliff and then went straight to hell but uh <laughs> next one is uh norman bates in the psycho series you know again another of the grandpappies of slashers Thing is, uh, it's been kind of implied that he had a incestuous relationship with his mother, which is part of the reason why he he, cra- he went cray cray. Yeah, which kind of dives into it in the, also the Bates Hotel on uh, TV show. Yep. Yep. So 
So that's why I that's why I pretty much put him in that category. So yeah, pretty much that's all there is. Kind of right. So just shooting through this next section, all of these we've already covered, but we did notice that killers don't take off on holidays. Yep. So of course, as we mentioned, we got Jason Voorhees. His holidays Friday thirteenth, even though some people don't consider it a holiday, but I do. Uh, got Michael Myers for Halloween. The Leprechaun for St. Patrick's Day. You got uh, the Evil Santa for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You got My Bloody Valentine, which Valentine's Day. You got The Killers in Black Christmas, which another Christmas-based slasher film. Mm-hmm. You got Happy Death Day, which the babyface killer for that. That's pretty much uh for for birthdays, right. which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the first movie. Second one uh kind of went off the rails. That's what it does. And then finally. The Purge. Mm-hmm. That one is, is the name of it is literally a holiday. Yes. Uh, and the Purge franchise, I, I say like first movie didn't execute on the premise. Mm-hmm. Then the and then it, it went off. Yo, it's crazy because like the first movie had the best trailer that a lot of people have ever seen before, and yep. it's like very original. And I've never actually seen the first one, but I, like I've seen some of the others. And I heard like the sequels were so much better than like the first one. Yeah. Uh, and then it that too also got a show. Yes, it did. Because the reason why the the purge like the reason why the set like the second and subsequent ones are better than the first because the first one literally just follows one family in one house, mm-hmm. and it's basically a splash film. I feel like that that premise works though, because there's that one where the uh, I forgot what the name of it is, but the the woman she's deaf, right? And like there's a killer that like sneaks into her. Oh home. hush. Yeah, so like I feel like one house, one family has worked before. Like even Don't Breathe is mostly like ninety yeah. percent kind of like that. But... Yeah, it works, but the but the, it because of the fact of what the premise is about, like a day or one night where all crime is legal. Mm-hmm. Most people were expecting to be like, okay, what's happening out there in the streets? Like, what is everybody doing? That's fair. That makes sense. So we wrapped up our little slashers. There might be some that we might have missed or that are much smaller, but we covered all of the big ones. But with that, we always like to reflect after a deep dive, but why are there so many bad, just horror movies in general? Uh, I think it's, well, it's like a multitude of factors. B, but I think like the biggest one, and this one's actually attributed to video games, but I think it applies here as well, is the sense of like, okay, the person, it's like the person who's directing or making the movie or writing it, does not have any fears. So, like, how it was explained was that, like, when writing the the uh, the Resident Evil franchise, was that like, let's not even get into that. But uh, but like the the main writers, they like said like, okay, uh, he was asked by the director like, what fears do you have? And then the guy said, I have none. And then he was fired. And then there was another guy who was brought on. He's like, what fears do you have? And he kept listing them off. He's like, all right, you're hired. Write about it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like, if the movie doesn't scare them, it most certainly will not scare us. Uh, even though fear is subjective, but the thing is that, like, it's like, it's still, like, if it can still terrify most of the general populace or, like, can get a rise out of them, that's where, like, the horror stands. So pretty much most of the time, it's ninety nine percent of the time, it's direction, mm-hmm. and and 
people trying to cash grab on everything. That's why like a lot of these franchises that we saw kind of dove off a cliff after a while because people got used to that specific character or thick core. They know what they're expecting or they're outright rooting for the villain. Yeah. That's in the case of me. <laughs> so I, and I think just like the first ones are always like, okay, here's the actual story. Here's the progression. Here's why you're trying to escape this killer. Then the killer becomes iconic and it becomes like as the sequels follow just a gore fest mm -hmm. and that's what we kind of root for but then also since they just keep bringing back the killer over and over and over again law of diminishing returns because if you think we're not about to get another halloween movie in like 15 years you are tripping yeah. so uh just with that i think it's just like okay so now it becomes nonsensical how people how they bring them back like each and every time which is Wild. So, just even going from there, uh, what do you want to see next in this space? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Firstly, we need that new Friday 13 film. I'm not even going to cap because they stopped at 12. Come on. The 13th yeah. Friday 13th movie? Come on, man. So, I'm going to need uh, uh, Sean Cunningham and I believe Victor Miller to get their act together <laughs> and settle out that lawsuit in order to give us some good content. And then B, in terms of like, like slasher films, there's really not too much they can do considering it's practically all been done. Right. But what we can see is like, hey, maybe try to find like a new, uh, like a new type of way of killing people. Maybe, Maybe something that like something that appeals to the modern sensibilities. I think like that's one thing that's been happening a lot lately. Like slash films are commenting on like current times. So like why not do that? Maybe like it's like similar to Candyman, if you will. That was the that was a uh, take on you know black mm -hmm. on being black. It, and so like maybe comments on a lot of different things. I know there's this uh, slasher movie on, uh, on, you know, school shootings mm. or like killer based on that. And that was that kind of was very controversial. I think like that would definitely be tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like that's like that's kind of like a semi step in the right direction, like somewhat either take modern issues, modern times and then boom. Make horrify a, it make a commentary on that as well yeah yeah so that's what i want to see i think for me just for in general well with flash i would like a joker batman-esque relationship between the killer and uh just like one of the survivors i know like with halloween it was it was it wasn't too like that with Lori and michael yeah but like kind of just like oh i need you um I like I'm doing this to like prove a point. Also, like kind of makes in law-abiding citizen, where it's like oh, I'm doing this to prove a point to you. And at the end of the day, you have learned something as like the person that we're rooting for. So kind of just like that interplay of it, I would be really interested in just with horror in general. Kind of like how we saw Prey, where it dove into a different era with a different culture. I would really love to see a slasher slash horror film that dives into other cultures but lets the people in the culture run through it or like survive it because they know it not just be like the the guy that explains it to us yeah but the person actually experiencing it okay yeah yeah that makes a lot a lot of sense also hey we need some more superhero horror movies i'm not gonna mm -hmm. well they did try it with 
the the new mutants. Trying to fail. I'm just saying we need we need to do better. Like make like make it make maybe we're like super ass to deal with a serial killer who who's seemingly indestructible. There there are millions of superhero horror comics. Pick one. Mm, yeah. Honestly, the Batman, I know it wasn't horror, but the way it told the story would fit in that situation. Yes. I'd say a lot of superhero horror deal with Batman, so that's true. Again, WB. What if they did a Solomon Grundy? Because I haven't seen that like in the big screen. I remember the Arkham series where, oh my gosh, it was so hard meeting him. Oh, bro, that'd be good. That'd be so good. I feel like he would be a, a number two villain, and they would need like a number yeah. one though. Yeah, they would, or at least somebody manipulate the man. Yeah, but hey, make it can make it work. Make it make sense. Yeah, but that was our slasher analysis for today, and we're gonna get into our sponsor. All right, so our sponsor for today is Insane Media. If you want to delve into the minds of a madman, the minds of a serial killer, please join our program as we are looking for more interns to come to our to our asylum to converse and chat with the known great killers of our franchise. You may talk to those such as Freddy Krueger. You may talk to Leatherface. Jason Voorhees, or even Michael Myers, if he's still there. So please come and check out our program now. We are not liable for any injuries or death that may occur on the premises. All right, so we're coming back with one of our favorite segments, uh, and from what people have told us, one of their favorite segments, the Make Your Case segment. So this is a segment where we present a question, we make our, we uh, give an answer to it, and just make our case and defend it. So, starting with that, we're going to go with who is the best slasher of all time. Jason Voorhees, no hesitation. Let's keep it moving because uh, I don't want to have to argue. There's no if ands, or buts. The, the man's is crazy. The man's got a hockey mask. The man's is probably the, the uh, most indestructible one. Uh, he, you kill him, he comes back. I, I'm, I don't know what, what else to say. So... Jason might sweep a lot of these, but going with that, yeah, he's definitely the best slasher of all time. I would say that just because of the iconic hockey mask might be more, I believe it's more iconic than the uh, William Shatner uh, Michael Myers mask. With that, Friday the 13th, every time you say that, you immediately think of Jason, Mm -hmm. whether you're a horror fan or not. Then also just like, also the hatchet that he has, also iconic. Machete. Machete, that's what it is, yes. So the machete that he has, also iconic. And just like the whole game figure of it, definitely best slasher to me. Going from there, this is gonna be complicated. Who would win a battle royale? So who's in the battle royale? So uh, let's go with every one we listed. Oh, if it's every last one of them that we mentioned, I would probably have to go with Pinhead. Oh yeah, the supernatural aspect to it. Yeah, considering like he's from hell, he kind of. He got the chains on lock. He 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 could like that scene in the bar where he ran through everybody in the third movie. Mm. I was like, and like there's the only concrete way to kill him is either with like another box. It's like figuring out the puzzle box within him back, or like becoming a centibite yourself and killing him. Mm. So it's like, how you going to take him out? My only defense of Jason. No, actually, you're right. I 
I can't I can't say because Jason has gotten got a lot of times. Yeah. He gets resurrected and he's technically not human anymore, but he, he wouldn't. If we did remove the supernatural aspect of uh Hellraiser Pinhead, I would say that Jason would win as long as he stayed away from the Leatherface. Oh, I would even say like he could possibly even take Leatherface because there was actually a comic on that. I would say he would beat him straight up, but if he got jumped, I feel like okay. One yeah. of the things that a lot of horror movies don't do is that a lot of it. Oh, I shoot you for for whatever reason they shoot the body or I'll stab you, but they never decapitate mm-hmm. until like the very end of the movie. So with a chainsaw, I feel like Leatherface could actually do the most damage in the fight. The problem is that Leatherface is human, so he would have to sneak him. And also, uh, not not all there in the head, not the brightest, so he probably wouldn't think of that. Mo, mo. All right, so next one. Most brutal killer. She. I mean, Jason really kind of got that on lock, my guy. Do I have to mention sleeping bag? Do I have to mention some... Do I have to mention liquid nitrogen? Oh boy. Do I have to mention everything that he did over the course of his life? Because he kind of went crazy. And there is one, I, I don't remember the movie, but he tossed the person out the window. And they're still alive. Yeah. And then he picked that person up and he put them in like a, a trash can with water in it. And he just like shook them up until they drowned. I was like, oh my goodness, he's not playing. Yep. And we mentioned it before with the. And Freddy versus Jason with the bed kill, but then there's also the Cornfield Massacre. Yes. Mans was on fire and still slashing folks left and right. <laughs> he went crazy. Only problem is water. That would actually be, be another downfall if the Pattern Royale had like a water. Okay, I actually have a, I have a thing about that. And so it's not that Jason's afraid of water, right? Like you think that's his weakness, but the real thing is that he was only ever weak to that in the dream world where he was in his mind in every single movie you saw him go through water swimming like normal that's true it was only in the dreamscape where water was his his weakness because of the fact he was in the dream world where freddy had full control that's fair because in a lot of movies he does start out i remember the one where he gets electrocuted and then he walks and then he comes back to life and then he walks out the yeah. water and a lot of other ones he uh is like underneath the boardwalk and then he grabs people so that's true that's true so yep, yeah yep but freddie could manipulate that in a battle royale if he if is he is he physically there or is he in the dream world mm, mm. Ooh, that's a good question because yep, if he's physically there hey he nice. has no chance he's yeah. done for all right so next one most creative killer for me it came down to two people Freddy Krueger because he's in the dreams, yep. or Chucky because he has to finesse because he's a doll. Yeah, yeah. I'm rolling with my boy Chucky because he has some kills that I have just because he has to manufacture. Like, Freddy can manipulate it in a way that it's a dream world. So, obviously, like, he has, like, an advantage. But Chucky, he's much more smaller he's weaker like he, be methodical. yes a lot of people you'd be like how in the world does this doll take me out like a lot like even if i put it here right now I'd be, we'd both be like yo we could take chucky and then chucky would like put us down like that's how it goes and most well most of the time he sneaks people but so that that would definitely be for me i gotta roll with chucky yeah 
honestly, like, that's actually a really compelling argument. I was going to say Freddy because of the dream aspect of it. Like, the fact of, like, like he, it's not even just, like, okay, he just stabbed you with the knife while he's in dream. No, he does... Like, the method that he uses to kill people is based on that person's particular fear or insecurity or anything like that. Like, for example, when he injected that uh, girl who had an addiction happen with the needles. Or how, how, like, he turned this one girl into a cockroach because she was scared of bugs (laughs) and then crushed her. Or even uh, when... and even or like when he was in that video game and he decided to like you know what let me just become a become a, an unbeatable boss right like his, his kills get out of pocket in the dream world that's true but again and his only his only downfall is like hey if you awake or you bring him into the real world yeah r.i.p yeah so definitely even even though he's known for the like the the nightclub he's so creative in the way he just kills people so yep. that that's definitely a good one so for our final question what's scarier a talker or a non-talker Ooh. oh man oh man that that one's a real rough one and i i could see both sides of it right mm-hmm. but here's my here's my thought process with a talker, right? You know, he's talking, you know, he and like he's he's able to cognitively think, mm-hmm. meaning he can think of more ways to take you out. But also the fact like if he's a talker, he can make you like you can perhaps like get into the false hope of like you can talk him down or like you can reason with them when there's absolutely no chance that's happening which which i don't know if that's more terrifying or just you see him there's nothing or you just see a silent killer there's just nothing you can do you just gotta go mm-hmm. so i i don't know i'm 50 50 on that one bro you literally made my case about the um the talker one because with talkers like even just Chucky and a Freddy Krueger, and if if we even want to go deeper, just for in general, a saw, a jigsaw. jigsaw. So like he manipulates you in a way where you think you can actually live, but like it's like psychological where it adds to your terror. Where like sometimes you can be like, okay, this is it for me. It's up. And the killer be like, oh, you thought you were going that quickly? No, let's have some more fun or something like that. Like, so they can like psychologically damage you before you're breaking. I remember, uh, I, I think it was like an anime or something where it's like the person they had resolve about like dying or whatever. And then the person came to them and they broke their resolve in that and they made them terrified and scared. And it was just like wild how they did that. So, oh. But with a talker, I feel like it's more, inst- it drives you to more, well, a non-talker, it drives you to more instinctual, animalistic behaviors where it's like, I just gotta look because I can't beg for my life. I'll, I'll try to run. I'll keep running. I, I don't feel safe. And like one of the main things of being human is like, you want to feel safe. But for me, I'm going with the non-talker because just of the psychological aspects that it can add to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I might go with that too. Like, I'm not even going to Either way, either way, I don't want to deal with either of them. <laughs> All right, so today we just had a good episode today. We got really in-depth with our killers again, so next week we're going to be doing our Black Adam review. And just with that, we had a lot of 
Whoa, I hear footsteps and whispers. I do not want to be here. I hear a noise, and number one rule is do not investigate, so I'm out. And little does he know that those footsteps were me and my friend, the Mexican Dundee, into the Black Air Force table, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Sir, I don't even have to explain why you are the GOAT. I don't have to explain why, because, but I'm going to do it anyways, just to give you your, your roses, your, your praises, sir. Firstly, your fit, absolute fire. I mean, hockey mask, iconic, instantly recognizable. You perhaps had some of the greatest kills in franchise history, so much so that people are still debating it to this day with that nitrogen that liquid nitrogen kill or that sleeping bag kill you you had that that swagger that that uh that y'all meaner about you you know where where you as soon as you turn your head you know it was that time that somebody was gonna gonna catch bodies and plus hey you're you're a family man you love your mother like what what's what's not there to love about that and hey if anybody wants to dare challenge your authority about your mother then hey you can just do every single way of killing them imaginable, sir. And even when you think they, they can kill you, you can just possess people. I mean, come on now. You can possess people's bodies. You can just say, oh, nope, nope, I'm back. What's good? And don't forget that time you fought, uh, not Carrie, uh, Miss Tina Shepard. <laughs> and, and perhaps your best appearance of all time where, and your best, like, look where you were just a straight up demonic zombie, like, Everything rotting, every like the mask was like chipped in the right place. Like it, that was the perfect appearance of you. Uh, wish that they could have kept that appearance, but of course not. But uh, but hey, you you out here, you you doing your thing. You're the best of the best. You out here killed. Uh, you you out here defeating Freddy Krueger. You, you you used his own razor glove against him. Like how how do you even do that, sir? And then finally, the biggest thing of all, you never got caught lacking. Unlike a certain Michael Myers, even even when you were pinned down, you have that zombie supernatural strength to get right back up. There was no if, ands, or buts on whether you were supernatural or not, because you was. And also, the biggest theory is the fact that you're technically a deadite because of the fact that Necronomicon was in uh, part nine. And the fact that you are. That just, that just elevates you up another tier, sir. So please, come get these black tims, place them up. I know you need them. And to just go out here and mark everybody in this club. Uh, I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest supporter. Just please don't, don't, don't take me out, sir. Cause I'm trying to be like you. As a matter of fact, do take me out. Cause I want to come back as a mortal zombie too. In fact, do it. All right, so yeah, I'm definitely not visiting Camp Crystal Lake anytime soon. Um, so while Jason has his forces, he can also get a black hockey mask just for the upgrade. So going from there again, we did have a, just a good time. That was this wraps up our Halloween themed uh, aspect of the podcast in season two. So for real, we're going to uh, be reviewing the Black Adam movie next week. Excited for that. I've heard nothing but good things. I think he's going to quote unquote save DC which is a part of Warner Brothers, which is quote-unquote not going broke. <laughs> they are dying right now. Hemorrhaging money, apparently. So, uh, good luck.
when Marvel, when Disney buys you, we're, we're not going to say anything. <laughs> but yeah, you got any uh, recommendations? I know a lot of what we touched on. You said uh, that just the horror. Yeah. So pretty much as I said, like the all of these movies that we referenced, every last one of them is found on the Shutter app. Again, it's another $5 service, like a $5 subscription where you can get access to all these favorite horror movies that you can find to this day. And, and in fact, if you don't want to get another uh, subscription service, then hey, you can find the Friday the 13th, as well as the Freddy vs. Jason movie and the Nightmare on Elm Street movie on HBO Max. Nice. So, hey, if you want to take a look at some greatness, then uh, hey, you got those movies on HBO Max to, to sully your your uh, horror needs and currently uh, Halloween ends is on is in theaters as well as on Peacock streaming app if you got it so maybe that's how I should have watched it instead of wasting money I mean it, it wouldn't work for me because I don't have Peacock so <laughs> fair yeah uh, one other recommendation just Chucky his TV series that comes out yeah. every Wednesday uh, I'm not sure how long run it but it comes out every Wednesday on USA or sci-fi Yes, yes, and the first two episodes of that are on YouTube yeah. on their on that respective sci-fi channel, because which is where I watched it. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, please, please do it because that show's so good. It is incredible. So let's get into our plugs. All right. So what we have our today is our uh, Instagram and our Twitter, which is at Blur City Twenty Two. Please come check us out. Uh, give us a follow, a like, as well as uh, stay up to date on all our release schedules. And then from there, we also have our uh, YouTube, which is Blurred City Pod, and our Patreon, which is also Blurred City Pod, and that's where you can uh, that's where you can like subscribe, you can uh, donate money to us, so that way you can get access to very exclusive content not ever seen on the Blurred City podcast before or since. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get access to extra content that uh and you just want to hear our voices more, then hey, go ahead and do that. We got like different character saves, such as Gar of the Sand, as well as different show and movie reviews, such as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If you still haven't seen that movie at this point, then uh, what are you doing? <laughs> but then finally, we have our email at uh, blurredcity22 at gmail.com, where you can submit Geek Out Free Out segments, as well as random fan theories, as well as questions. Uh, for our Q&A episode. And then finally, we have our Discord. Our Discord, which can be found in our Instagram page. And that's where you can come in and join like a humongous community and you get to learn all about us as people, as well as you get to just hang out with, with folks. And you can even hang out with us whenever we're streaming games on there. So yeah, I know for me, I'll be streaming my entire horror bag. So uh, yeah. hey, yeah. better jump on it. We're both ps 5 up now, so. Going from there, I'll go into my individual author pages. We got my Instagram, which is Mitri underscore dash. So M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H. And my Twitter at the Mad Dash 16. T-H-E-M-A-D-A-S-H 16. So as usual, we're gonna leave you with some words of encouragement. Alright, so for for our words of encouragement today, I just want to say that like in order to survive in life, right? You're going to face many different type of challenges, face many different type of people who may or may not be up to snuff, who may be out there trying to intentionally take you down. And there are many situations that you may find yourselves in that 
that you may seem unstable about, uh, just got to remember to lock in and to trust your gut instinct. If your gut instinct is telling you to like, hey, this may not be necessarily the right area, leave. Like if you're in your car and you're driving to a certain place and like, let's say a gas station and you feel like that place may not necessarily be the safe place to go get gas, even though your tank may be running on E, just just try to find another one and try to find a different area because it's better that you are that you leave and may spend more money rather than uh, try to go for cheap and lose your life. Yeah. So absolutely incredible advice. I don't need to add anything else. Just lock in people. So as we go every week, it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blurred City Podcast. And see you later.